Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Make It Plain. Make It Plain. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Thursday. Uh, we've not talked in a couple of weeks. Uh, and that's my fault. My schedule's been crazy. Uh, but they have a moment here in a stationary place. Uh, to get our very special Thursday guest with us who've been doing this with us for more than a decade. Um, it is one of our most popular segments because of his experience and insight uh, and because we have been um, doing this so long together uh, in, in, in a collaborative friendship type way. I think we can probably also finish each other's sentences. <laughs> Uh, and that makes it fun as well. He is the founder uh, of the largest online progressive community, uh, maybe even the largest online community. I'm no, 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 no. There's Reddit and there's there's big ones. Big. Reddit, yeah. Reddit's more. Reddit. Oh, Reddit. You got millions. Reddit's there. like half a. You got Reddit's like half a billion. But you're more than QAnon. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, I hope so. <laughs> Bigger than Q and I, uh, Daily Coast, uh, and also found of Civics with a Q, uh, a, a very innovative um, uh, polling apparatus that is uh, uh, yielding a new way of looking at things, and perhaps even a more accurate way with a larger sample size. Um, and then, of course, he's the host of the new podcast, which is one of also getting. A lot of the top downloads, a lot of great downloads, uh, uh, leading in downloads, I should say. That's what I mean to say. The brief, Marcos Melissa joins us from Cali, where I was briefly, folks, for less than 24 hours. We didn't get to see each other because I literally was in and out. It was cold. <laughs> it was colder then than it was in New York. I don't Because, see, the mind, when you live out there, you get it and you hear about it. But let me tell you what the brain does. The brain says California. And so those of us who are from the East Coast, when the brain lands in California, it does not compute cold. And it was raining. I know you need San, San Francisco is famous for tricking people into thinking that they're coming to sunny California. And it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's a temperate city. By the way, right now it's, uh, it's 65 degrees and sunny. So you really came on the wrong 24 hours. 
And from everything that we're seeing, that might have been the last rain we're going to get in months. So you just, I miss you just picked the absolute <laughs> worst day to make a one-day trip. Because today it's probably going to be up in the 70s. It's, it's, um, wow, uh, and once wow. the sun comes out, it's a whole different world, too. I mean, it's, it's the cloud comes over, you're freezing. The sun pops off, you're sweating. I mean, this is, this is San Francisco <laughs> East Bay weather. In a nutshell, do you do you bother to own a coat when you live there? You so have you have to have a coat, and in fact, what you do is is you have layers. So I may have a, a sweat like a sweater sweatshirt, then I have a light jacket, then I have a heavier jacket with me at all times, and you you could even drive a mile and it's 110 degrees, and you drive the other mile and it's you know 60 and in the middle of a fog belt and freezing. And uh, so we're very much a area of microclimates and also just depending on if the fog rolls in, if it's sunny or not. I mean, it could dramatically change the feel of it. I mean, there's days where it says it's 80 and you're cold and it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't compete. And then other days it's 60 and you're sweating. I mean, it, it, the temperature is only part of the question on how you feel when you're out here. A lot of it is just it's fog and it's sun. I mean, those they yeah. had a huge impact. And wind. It's all a lot of and wind. Of saw course. a lot of saw a lot of fog when I was there uh, the other day. Uh, but you know, it, it's still nice to be there. I wish I could have stayed longer to enjoy this this nice day you're having. <laughs> yeah, it um, looks like you. I mean, I saw your social and you were like, it was jam packed. You had so much happening. Yeah. No, it was great. And just and to be clear, folks, I was there for the 10th anniversary of the Live Free campaign which is uh, one of the leading anti-gun violence, anti-gang violence campaigns in the country, been around for 10 years, founded by Pastor Michael McBride, uh, with the likes of W. Kamau Bell, uh, a part of it, and Steve Kerr. Now, I met Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors, uh, while I was uh, there. The Chicago Bulls? Right, 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 right. All right, all right, all right. I guess he's done something since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since he so, won some championships in Chicago. Yeah, that's, right, that's right. All of that. So, uh, uh, and he, he shared something. I may even have to have him on the show because I guess a lot of people don't know the reason he got involved in this anti-gun violence initiative. He told the story last night. His own father uh, was killed due to gun violence. Um, and he didn't have a place to really deal with that in an active sort of way. So that's why he's part of Live Free. Uh, so it was great. Learned a lot. And honestly, last thing I say on this, folks, if you, ha- you owe it to yourself. You know, I've been talking to them for the past couple of years on Zoom. We've all been doing everything we've been doing on Zoom for almost two years um, or, or at least a year and a half. It was so good to see people I had seen on Zoom for 18 months in the flesh for a change. I mean, there, there's something to human interaction and connection. Some folk for the first time. Most not, but some for the first time. And it's funny, Marcos, I don't know if y'all would do this at home, but you imagine what people look like in person from the Zoom. And then when you see them in person, they are nothing like. <laughs> everybody I thought was tall was short. <laughs> and everybody I thought was short was tall. So what was Steve Kerr? <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew, well, I knew he was tall. I mean, I already knew he was tall. Um, I'm not talking about him, but there was some other people like, wow, okay. And uh, so it, it was, but it was really... If nothing, it was it was worth it just kind of see. And people were genuinely glad to see one another. So um, that was that. Still fighting the fight for gun violence. Live free, folks. Check them out. All right. 
Uh, and then we'll have to find another time to go back when everything's normal and we can see Marcos in person uh, and Daily Coast headquarters and all of that. So this is a great time for us to talk. We've not talked since Virginia. Oh, yeah. So I'm anxious to hear your assessment post-mortem or, or whatever. So before Virginia, I, I believe we talked about it because that's all I've been talking about. There's a bunch, there are several questions that I had in, that, that I was really interested in finding out, right? One of them was, will Trump voters turn out if Trump is not on the ballot? And historically, they had not. They turned out in 16 and 20. They did not turn out in 17, 18, and 19. That's why Democrats won big, even in places like Kentucky and Louisiana, in those off years. So that was one question. Second question was, will suburban, college-educated white women stay in a Democratic fold or go back to the Republican Party, which is their ancestral home? So those were the two major... Oh, and the third one was, will our base turn out? Okay. And so we got answers. We got answers. And they're not the answers that we hoped we would get. This was basically a whole lot of bad news, right? Trump voters turned out. They, they did. Uh, suburban white women. And the data is incomplete and it is early. So I just want to caveat that. It may change as we get more information. But as it looks right now, it looks at at least some of those suburban, college-educated white women went back to the Republican Party. Uh, and third, it looks like we held our, our base performance was okay. It did not keep up with Republican base performance. And there's a bunch of caveats. One is the data's early. Uh, but in Virginia... Youngkin, the Republican governor-elect, got 300,000 less votes than Donald Trump in 2020. So the drop-off was 300,000 votes. Terry McAuliffe, his drop-off was 800,000 votes. 800,000 fewer votes than Joe Biden got. Now, some people say, okay, yeah, but four years ago, uh, uh, McAuliffe got 200,000 more votes than the previous four years Democrat did, right? So that could be base performance. So he did better, except that Youngkin got 500,000 more votes than four years prior in that governor's race. It's hard to overcome those kinds of numbers. And it was even worse in New Jersey. Like we held everything that we needed to hold in New Jersey, but the drop off from Joe Biden to Phil Murphy, who was a popular governor, the drop-off was about 1.2 million votes. And that's why we went from New Jersey being a safe blue state that Biden won easily to Murphy winning it only by three to five points. They still haven't posted the final number, so we don't know what the final margin is going to be. But it's going to be around there, three to five points. Uh, much, much closer than anybody. And there was, some, there was a point at that evening where I was looking at the numbers going like, you know, guys, like, <laughs> this is not looking so good. Um, turns out vote by mail was the last thing to have been counted, and apparently they're still even counting it a week later. So who knows what's going on there. But it's almost a worst-case scenario, right? It's, it's Trump voters came out and suburban white women who were turned off by Trump going back to the Republican Party. Now, the other big caveat, and this is an important one, is that 
both Youngkin in Virginia and Jack Ciatrelli, I think is how you pronounce his last name, in, in New Jersey, they both ran as far away as possible from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Like they, uh, the Republican in New Jersey was literally, he's a never Trumper. And in Virginia, I, whoever kept Donald Trump from visiting the state like, like is the Republican MVP because um, they were paranoid that Trump would show up because he would have motivated our base more. That's obviously not going to happen in 2022. More MIP after this message. And what, it's important to realize that governor elections are not national elections. In 2019, we won the governorships in Louisiana and Kentucky. And nobody thought, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden can win Louisiana and Kentucky in 20. Nobody thought that, right? Governor elections are a place where people are not afraid to cross party lines. You know, we have Republican governors in, uh, in Massachusetts, in Maryland, in Vermont. Nobody's going to say that those states are going to go uh, Republican in any Senate or presidential race anytime soon, right? We have Democratic governors in Louisiana, Kentucky, and in Kansas, in several other red states. Again, people are okay crossing over in governor elections in a way that they're not in federal elections. So there's a lot to be worried about seeing these results. The fact that Trump voters came out is just, that was kind of like a, a wish, right? Like, oh, if they don't turn out, everything will be easier. They turned out everything is harder, but next year it's, it's a whole new ball game. A year is a long time, and if we can get our Biden vote to turn out, we're going to be in in, in better shape. Uh, and I'm hopeful that a midterm election with Congress on the line may bring that vote out. But there's no guarantees, right? I mean, we just saw uh, last week that this is going to be a lot harder than we even than than we hoped it would be the Biden vote to turn out, but isn't part of that Biden Biden vote suburban white women who bolted in Virginia? I mean, if we talk about the Biden vote, that included suburban white women in 2020, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, I like what you said about ancestral home. That's funny and not, and also not funny. Um, that's problematic. I mean, it was that, and it was clinging to that ancestral home and it really brought Trump in office. White women made the difference then too. In 2016. Yeah, it, yeah, no, for sure. But it, it's clear that suburban college educated women are sw- swinging now. They may be the only demographic that is a swing demographic in America today. There's a question about turnout, right? You know, you got to goose your turnout. So if your people don't turn out, it doesn't matter what those suburban white women do. But assuming that you get maximum turnout, absolutely those suburban white women are going to, are going to tip things one way or the other, and given how close um, the battleground states were, um, it's actually kind of scary for next year because all the all the competitive Senate races are in swing states: right? Pennsylvania, right. Wisconsin, Florida, um, North Carolina, Atlanta—not Atlanta, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, New Hampshire. I mean, literally every single competitive Senate seat is in a battleground seat. And yes, our turnout's going to matter. And trying to win that suburban white woman vote back is going to matter. 
We have some assists, though. I mean, because some of these Republican candidates are, are literally wife beaters. I mean, Herschel Walker in, in Georgia and uh, uh, Sean Parnell in Pennsylvania are literally, you know, documented history of domestic abuse and are Trumpy. And they can't distance themselves from Trump because they are made by Trump. And I don't even think they want to. Like, some of these people are like, no. they're right there, like, you know, wrapping themselves around Donald Trump. And so the question then becomes next year is, okay, these are very localized elections where the candidates were successful in distancing themselves from Donald Trump. Nobody thinks that's going to be a thing anywhere next year. Donald Trump's got his fingers in every single primary. He's going to be going to every single state because he's, he's, he does what he does for himself. He doesn't think, what's a better pick? Like a Nancy Pelosi can say, all right, I'm going to stay out of this district because I'm not going to help my person in this district. And I might even let him vote against the Democrats a couple of times just to show how independent they are. Like there's a strategic mind behind it. Donald Trump doesn't have that, right? He's going he's gonna to demand fealty from every one of these candidates. And so to, last week we found out what happens if Joe Biden's the, the sort of the marquee figure, right, the head of the party. And right now Joe Biden's numbers absolutely suck. Civic was the first polling firm to see that happening. And I remember liberals attacking us, saying that we were full of, you know, full of it because we were showing Joe Biden's numbers gradually. It's been a very gradual, steady decline. It's not like Afghanistan. Suddenly he plummeted or legislation not passing. It's been almost from the start a very slow, steady, gradual decline, which means that hopefully maybe that can be reversed. Uh, doesn't look very doesn't look like systemic and caused by any one issue. It's just a disenchantment. A lot of shades of two thousand uh, two thousand ten, right? With with Barack Obama, where people were just getting tired of the right. legislative grind and of nothing happening, and uh, very familiar to what's happening with Build Back Better right now. Not to mention things like voting reform and and things like that. So. Um, we saw last week, it was really about Joe Biden and high gas prices and inflation. Those issues like actually had salience. What happens if Donald Trump steps back in and tries to make the, the cycle about him? And he's going to try. And so that might offset some of these trends. And that's what gives me hope for next year. Because if, if this was a regular cycle, Donald Trump had just faded into history, uh, we'd be looking at, at major, major uh, losses next year. As is, I think we still have a chance. More MIP after this message. So a um, couple questions on Virginia uh, before we look at the chance for next year. Um, first of all, do we need to talk about the candidate himself, Terry McAuliffe? Was, was his candidacy and him running again himself. Some are saying that's problematic. I'm leaning in that direction. And as I say, Terry's a bad person. But from my point of view, Virginia governors can't succeed themselves. Uh, and so I don't, I don't think that there's much of a culture in Virginia that is so welcoming to somebody coming back that way. Um, now, they may not have had a choice, but that, that speaks to our lack of a benefit. Uh, they should have been other people running who were prepared. To so run. Mark Warner did it. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true that Virginia is not um, 
that they don't like repeat performances. And we saw that decline in democratic performance everywhere. So it's not like we did really well in New Jersey and did really well in Pennsylvania. And oh, yeah. So I, I, I would make that less. And the reality is that Jerry McAuliffe was a nominee because black voters in Virginia thought that he was a safe choice. They did the Joe Biden formulation. That's a, so so he Terry McAuliffe won his primary on the strength of black vote. And it was that same. Well, what, 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 I didn't look at the numbers. Are we sure that the black vote wasn't split between the three? Other no, no, no. It, it was he won because okay. of right. the black vote. And I'm telling it, it's okay. the same. And it worked for Joe Biden. Right. <laughs> so they thought like we're not going to like this is too important. We're not going to we're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to risk it. By choosing somebody that racist Virginians can can vote against, and I actually believe, and you know, we've talked about it before, that that Joe Biden was probably the only Democrat in that crowded field that probably would have beaten Donald Trump in the end, given how close it was. And so, I, in in the presidential, I, I like the black vote in South Carolina probably saved the Democrats from from in the country from another term with Donald Trump. It was the same formulation. It's like let's 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 not give racist Virginians a reason to be afraid to to vote for us. Let's, let's go with a safe pick that we know is okay. And fact is, you know, Democrats got two hundred thousand more votes. Terry McAuliffe got two hundred thousand more votes than in the previous four years. And I think, given his the first time he ran, it was like five six hundred thousand more votes than the first time he ran. Right. So it wasn't like he turned off people. And again, it's very, very early, but I'm not seeing a big drop off in in the, uh, you know, the, the sources of black votes like Alexandria and and um, Arlington. I'm not seeing. So I don't think it cost. I just think it was a general the Trump vote turned out and our vote did not turn out at the same intensity as the Trump vote and Trump vote turning out without any Trump involvement. I almost wonder if Trump sticks his nose in, if that may actually hurt somehow. But somehow Republicans, Junkin, figure it out how to get the Trump vote out without directly, you know, kissing Trump's ring. Um, And that is what's I don't know if it's dangerous. It's almost like this was a very low-cost way for us to learn this lesson. I mean, imagine had we learned this next year when we lose Congress and, you know, we're, we're screwed. Now we know. Nobody's going to pretend uh, that the Trump vote isn't going to turn out. I used to always say, I hope they don't turn out, but we have to assume that they do. Now I don't even need to say that. Now we're like, they're going to turn out. They are going to turn out if we don't maximize every vote we can possibly get we just can't overcome that. And so that's the, uh, um, now we know. And hopefully people are preparing and, and hopefully people with the money are, are funding organizations that are registering people to vote and getting them engaged because uh, this is a fight for, I mean, if we lose next year, I think 2024 is, is seriously in doubt. And, uh, and then we know nothing good can come if we can't win in 2024. So second part of the question, and this alludes to 2022, uh, the issue itself. Uh, Obviously, I think it helped to get the Trump vote out because Youngkin exploited critical race theory. 
I mean, he, he did everything the Trump Fox News way, even though Trump wasn't there. And critical race theory is the Trump and Fox News way. Um, how much of a factor do you think that really was, that whole debate around critical race theory and it morphing into uh, parents having a say in the school system and education and then the gaffe by Terry, parents shouldn't have a say. Yeah, that was a big one. And it, that was a big gaffe. So how, how much of, of that, because I think, I think that has to be considered because if so, we gotta have they're gonna do they're gonna critical race theory us to death next year. Yeah. So we gotta have an answer for that. I I again stipulate that it's all early and you know, we have incomplete data. I don't get the sense that critical race theory by itself was much of a factor other than motivating their base. Like I don't think it was it was a it was a persuasive um argument and in fact Youngkin never made that argument explicitly right I mean he it was all dog whistles and um publicly in his ads I think what that tapped into though and this is very real and it also tapped into Terry McAuliffe's gaffe about parents shouldn't have a say is just frustration with a year and a half of COVID restrictions and the masks and why doesn't this why can't we get back to normal and you know you know, student athletics are hobbled. And I think it was just a general miscontent with the entire COVID-induced shutdowns. Okay, okay. And everybody is frustrated. I mean, even here in Berkeley where everybody agrees with the shutdown, people were still annoyed at the shutdown, right? I mean, you can do both things. And this is where Republican efforts to prolong the pandemic, I think, actually play into their favor, right? Because it, it, it exacerbates those supply chain issues. Um, it makes it harder for companies to hire because a lot of people retired early or don't want don't to put themselves at risk because of COVID. And it just, that malaise, that why can't we just get back to normal? And people are desperate to get back to normal. And if everybody had vaccinated, we'd, we'd be there by now. We'd be there by now. But by, by prolonging it, yeah, they may kill a bunch of their own people off, which they are. I mean, at this point, I think it's five times as many deaths in red counties and blue counties. Yeah, they're killing off their own people. But in their formulation, because they're, they're psychopaths, like, it's worth it because they just got the governorship in Virginia, right? Killing off a few of their own supporters, well worth it for them to to prolong that malaise. So next year, and, you know, it's funny. They're all complaining about high gas prices, right? They're going to punish Democrats for high gas. Aren't these the same people that tell us that, that anything, everything is socialism? So, I mean, are they advocating for the the government takeover of all petrochemical companies so we can regulate the price? I mean, it's just absolute nonsense, right? But but by next year, those supply chain issues should be addressed. There will be even more uh, Americans, because now that kids can be vaccinated, you know, that'll continue spreading a um, certain degree of immunity. Uh, things are gradually getting back to normal. Um, I mean, we may have a world where you just open up and yeah, sure. Red counties keep dying in large numbers, but <laughs> they got their freedom, freedom. Yeah, and the rest yeah. of America that is vaccinated can, can open up more, more safely. Uh, there's several COVID pills now that are supposedly going to drastically reduce the amount of death in ERs. I mean, so there's, there's elements in place that will hopefully, um, 
that will hopefully get people less angry at Joe Biden for this general malaise. But you know what's really interesting is, is civics did some polling and um, about, I don't know, three, four months ago, they, no, it wasn't even more. It's about six months ago. They asked like, what are the issues that people are concerned about, right? At the top was jobs and the economy and housing was top three and healthcare was top three. So what you would expect in, you know, towards a pandemic, people were afraid of losing their jobs or afraid of losing their homes. They were um, afraid of getting COVID and dying. This, we just did the same poll, same questions uh, three weeks ago. And those three issues are now at the bottom, top 10. Nobody's worried about their job, not nobody, but statistically, very few people are worried about their jobs, about housing and about COVID. At the top of the list was things like inflation, the price of consumer goods, the, the price of gas. So it just shows you how effective Democrats have been in, in sort of bypassing the, the stimulus plan, how effective they've been in having people feel secure about the most important things, housing, jobs, and their health. Mm-hmm. Now, it also shows how poor they are in selling that accomplishment so that Republicans have stepped in and made gas prices and immigration and critical race theory the, you know, the craziest, most important things to worry about, as opposed to you were, you know, during Trump, you weren't even sure you were going to have a job. Now people are secure and they're amped up because the Fox News conservative machine has amped up on this nonsense culture war stuff. And gas prices, which as a colleague said, a Daily Coast colleague said, it's the one economic indicator that you see in two-foot letters everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. So Democrats also made the argument that the non-passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill hurt Virginia, hurt the race in Virginia. Do you agree with that? I mean, they got the Build Back Better crowd to pretty much, well, they didn't compromise, but House Democrats by majority compromised on the original plan to not pass infrastructure without Build Back Better. Uh, and that came from, the, we lost Virginia, we got to do infrastructure. Uh, Chair McCollum said, if we had had that, I would have won. Do you agree with that? No, that's stupid. Nobody was sitting there going <laughs> like, am I going to vote? Now, what I what could have had an impact, and I don't know how you even begin to measure it, is is just general dissatisfaction in the inability of the party to do something about it. Now, if, I'm, if Terry McAuliffe said that to my face, I would have said, well, you should have talked to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema because this shit could have been passed six months ago. Right, right. I mean, we, we haven't been sitting here waiting on it because of progressives. We have literally been waiting on Manchin and Cinema to get their heads out of their asses and, and agree to something. So that's a stupid argument. But the, so there may have been a general malaise again as people are just frustrated at politics and things not happening and thinking, well, you know, we won the House and the Senate and the presidency, and yet here we are still. And it's got nothing to do with Republicans. It's literally Democrats arguing with each other. And don't even use the filibuster as an argument because the Democrats could get rid of the filibuster today if they wanted to. So um, there might have been some dissatisfaction in that. But Terry McAuliffe got 200,000 more votes than the Demo- than the gubernatorial Democrat got four years ago, um, the lack of Bill Back Better did not motivate those Trump voters to turn out. That's what that's what hurt him is that they got the Trump vote to turn out 
and we did not get the Biden vote to turn out. But you mean the lack of infrastructure didn't motivate? Yeah, I don't, I don't see nobody sitting there looking at the news, you know, saying like I'm going to vote only if. But but since you put it that way, here's here's the question: Would Build Back Better have gotten more Democrats out? I get not infrastructure. I, I but a Build Back Better, the human infrastructure, all that stuff that goes with it, might that have gotten more Democrats out? Maybe. I mean, I mean, not because of anything that the legislation did, because most of that stuff, it's not going to be we're not going to see those effects for years. Right. I mean, this is yeah. ten, this is a five to ten year spending plan. This is not exactly um, might have excited some people to turn out and vote. I right. actually think that if you really want if you really like youth turnout was was way down, which is normal. But what have young voters gotten for their support for Democrats so far? I mean, they had two issues, two, only two issues that they really, really, really care about. One is uh, student debt relief, and the other is global climate change, um, you know, legislation to address global climate change. I mean, a lot of that stuff has been stripped out because of freaking Manchin and West yeah. Virginia coal, right? So I'm not right. sure if I'm a young voter, Democrats haven't done anything other than not have a racist, bigoted, misogynist in the White House, right? That's yeah, progress. But... They haven't seen any, and these are young voters. They don't have the long arm of history to inform them right. of the of the long term benefits of party building. Blah blah blah. Right? They they don't see that. They're like they finally voted for the first time, and nothing happened, and now they're disenchanted. So for sure, one of the ways you turn things around for next year is you you do fifty thousand dollar debt relief. Yeah. And yeah. stop. Oh, we need to worry about the legality. No, do it. Do it, do it, do it. If the courts, if the Supreme Court slaps you back, oh well, then it's on the Supreme Court. It's not on Joe Biden. Right now, it's on Joe Biden. And you know, I remember, remember Donald Trump used to do whatever he wanted, made his base happy, and the courts would slap it down. It didn't matter. Like yep. he he got the headlines he needed. He got to brag to his supporters that he had their back. We can't do that because what Joe Biden's worried that the Supreme Court's going to rule against him on on student debt, administrative relief, or whatever. Like. Quit that nonsense. Yeah. Quit it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, finally, Marcos, and maybe it's not something that you prepared to answer today, but I think we do have to figure this out. We know that they're going to still try to mobilize their base, even without Trump, even if they keep him in the background. Everybody's pushing this critical race theory. They're going to go to the race car like they always mm -hmm. do. What can Democrats do about that? There has to be some way... Because honestly, what the, the, the consultant um, uh, class and, you know, the mainstream Democrats, shh, don't, don't, don't get yeah, into yeah. it. Don't talk about it. Run from it. Just pretend like it's not there. It's fake, most, right? What, Which it was. Yeah, but that was the response. It's not real. Yeah. And, but, but that's not, I don't think that's going to get it. No, no. Um, uh, and, and, and I would, let me say this. I would add, though, to what you said about young people. I think there are three things. If we look over the past year with young people, there's there's student debt, climate change, and a lot of young people, including white ones, um, were a part of the reckoning. And they don't get why there's nothing that can be done about that. They don't get why, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is, is, is you know, looks like he's going to get away with something. Um, so, I mean, I think that's there. Uh, two. And I wonder if Democrats need to have a little more courage to take 
issues like that on some type of way uh, and to to speak to them more forcefully. And and I'm going to deal with that now. We want we want we want to have time to get into the day. The, the issue of women, because Ellie, our friend Ellie Mistel tweeted something after Virginia, and it was that, you know, women in Virginia voted for Youngkin the day after the Supreme Court heard oral arguments that could be used to strike down rope. Uh, but we'll, we'll say that for next week. But I want to ask you on just the CRT, the racial stuff. Is it is it the Democrats need to do more? Just say it's fake and it's not real. It is fake. But what is real is that people are using it to promote, you know, their racism and do fair bargaining. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I don't think it was the the issue that moved things is that by and large, CRT was like the issue in school board races across the country. And very few of those conservatives, uh, anti critical race theory candidates won. It just they it happened in a couple of places, but by and large, okay, it did not have a huge huge salience. Now, where where um, Terry McAuliffe screwed up and said parents have no 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 say, right? That just inherently like no parent wants to like nobody like I have a say in my kid's education. <laughs> like don't don't tell me I don't have a say. I could pull my kid out tomorrow. I have a say in my kid's education. Uh, even if I agree with what the school board is doing, and I do in Berkeley, right? Like, don't tell me I don't have a say. I have a say. Right, but right. It's, it's that other piece. It's that CRT was a stand-in for just general um, dissatisfaction with, with just the, the zeitgeist, right? And it's, it's acknowledging that, yeah, it's frustrating that things have to shut down and that the quality of edu- education has um, suffered as a result, and um, and I don't I'm not I'm not a strategist, so I don't I'm not the kind of person that you talk to if you need the, the solution. But it's clear to me that just saying everything's fine, it's all fake, clearly, because people were they're filling in the blanks. And, and if you look at Youngkin's campaign, it wasn't they're teaching your kids about to make your white kids feel sad. That wasn't the campaign he was running publicly. The campaign he was running publicly is. I don't have a say in my kids' education. That's easy to address. Just say, yeah, I give you, I give you, I give you um, uh, a say in your kids' education because parents have a say in their kids' education already. There's already a whole entire mechanism with school boards and everything to for them to have a say in their kids' education. So I think a lot of it's just like nodding along saying, yeah, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, no, you're right. You should totally have a say. Yeah, yeah. The end. I mean, this is not a fight. And then, you know, Republicans are talking this nonsense about a parental bill of rights. You know, co-op that right. crap. Like, there's so much in the Build Back Better that is just changing it. Build Back Better. What a freaking stupid name. The parental, you know, middle class bill of rights. Like, call it that. The parental bill of rights. What? Oh, oh, so you got money for pre-K education. And you got, you got uh, the uh, child tax credit. Like, this is all stuff for parents. There is so much. For, I mean, if you're a single person in America, you have more to complain about if you look at our policy and our spending priorities. But as a parent, like we as a society have decided that parents get extra help because kids are important. And so sell that. Yeah. Yeah. Build back better. What, what yeah. the hell is build back better? No. Freaking this is the child. This is our, this is the parental bill of rights part of the build back better bill. There you go. I like Boom. And there's plenty you could. You can just throw all that stuff in there and talk. Oh, Republicans want Build Back. 
parental bill of rights. Here's what right, we did right. for parents. Well, you know, um, it's funny that you say that. I, I, I like that, I like what you said about co-op because that's what we don't do. You know, we just we'll say, oh, this isn't real. And even Obama came out, this isn't a real thing. But we're not good at, at taking things back from them that they steal. Um, I don't know that I don't I don't know that I've ever heard Marcos, ladies and gentlemen, nor have you so passionate about the name of a piece of legislation. <laughs> we, like I said, better. we have been on together for a few. This is like he's been waiting the past two weeks to say that. The way he came out, freaking stupid. I mean, he yeah, that, that's that's real passion. I'm so. <laughs> I'm so proud. So civics did another poll, and this is the sort of thing where where um, people will say that they benefit from the child tax credit. They'll benefit from from extended unemployment benefits. But if you ask them which party is responsible for those things, only about thirty percent get it right. So we don't. We 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 people will say, yeah, this helps me. This helps me. But yeah, no, it wasn't the Democrats that that got that for me. Like we're terrible. I mean, and it goes back to even Joe Biden not signing those those extended unemployment checks or the stimulus checks. You Donald Trump signed them. Right. The president was set. Right. You may feel it; it's icky, and it is icky. But freaking play the game until Congress, until oh, Republicans don't like it. Okay, then we can pass legislation that the next president can't do yeah. it. There you go. Problem yeah. solved. But we unilaterally disarm time and time again. So how are these people going to think? that Joe Biden was the, the reason that they got those stimulus checks. There's, there's no reason for it. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not nimble with that kind of stuff. You know, we kind of clunk around like Frankenstein and just, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get better. So we, we gotta get better. And I, and I really do. I think we have to be smart. Well, I'm, I'm relieved to know if you're saying that in some of these races, CRT wasn't a factor, but they're not going to. In yeah, most, yeah. but I mean, in most, but, but I, I like, I, School board, school board races, I'm yeah, saying. I, I like yeah. to actually put my eyes on those school board numbers when you have a chance to send them to me. But um, but they're going to keep pounding their drum. And that still does not excuse us from not coming up with better ways. Oh, we have to respond now. With yeah. better ways. I'm just going to throw this out there hypothetically. So, you know, if, if it was really – so the women said that it was about education and having control over education, and he – had the woman with the commercial about the Toni Morrison, uh, a book and all that. And then some of the women who were interviewed on the exit polls, you know, the mainstream media, our friend Eric Bollard always writes about this. They have to go interview Republicans all the time. They don't interview Democrats. They, they oh, got yeah. Republican vote, yep. not Democratic vote. But what was really going on? Well, you know, uh, uh, I didn't like that. Some women said I didn't like the fact that Terry McAuliffe was up there with the teachers union and they were the ones who argued last year to keep schools closed. And I was like, you wanted schools to be open in the middle of COVID. I mean, who? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So you you got to... Yeah, they wanted their kids at risk. I, I don't... I will never understand how conservatives broke basic parental instincts to keep our children safe. They broke it. They broke it. I, I'll be honest with you, though, Marcos, and this, sounds, this is going to sound cynical as hell. When they say these things, is it really what they feel, or is there an element... I'll just stay over Virginia now. I'm not going to go beyond Virginia. Knowing the history of Virginia, knowing Virginia's tendencies, because we, we've had a good run. You know, Virginia usually would go the way of the presidential midterms. Every It would go back and forth, Democrat, Republican. So we've kept it blue longer than in any other consecutive time in history. Um, 
that's what some of these people they say these things. Well, this is important to me: CRT and, and education and kids getting back in school in the middle of COVID. Or is that still like Youngkin? It's a cover. I really am a Trump voter. I really am a racist. But I'm gonna say something else to make it look like I'm something else. I didn't want school. I didn't want the teachers union to make my kids go back to school. What? Oh, I have no doubt that Youngkin is actually a Trumpist at heart, and. Uh, we have undercover video, right, where he told somebody that I can't, I can't talk about abortion, but you know, if I win, I will work to make abortion illegal in Virginia. Yeah. Um, so we know now. The thing is, he's he's gonna, by all indications, he's gonna try to govern Virginia as a moderate, and I think he's gonna get eaten alive by that Trump base. They're gonna eat <laughs> him alive, and uh, it's it's because it's all or nothing, right? I mean, there's there's no room for dissent anymore in the Republican Party, so. He was able to to play that that dog whistle game very adeptly, and he did it. He, he was very successful at communicating that he was a conservative, hardcore conservative, underground, you know, behind the scenes on on uh, on social media and stuff. While on TV, he was a fuzzy, lovable moderate with his cardigan sweater. So, good luck this. governing. Good yeah. luck governing. Right. When you weren't honest to anybody about where he stood, because he there was two different candidates in that race, um, I, I'll give the 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 Republican in in New Jersey credit. He ran. He was he had one speed right. He didn't try to play any dog whistle stuff. Um, and uh, but yeah, in Virginia, which was more hotly contested, he he played that game and he won. But it's it, he's not going to make anybody happy, and uh, it's. We're getting to the point now, it feels like, that it, the country's ungovernable with these how polarized we have become and with such an incredibly large percentage of the American population that doesn't even adhere to basic reality anymore. We're not arguing whether rich people should get tax cuts or not, right? They're arguing basic notions of reality. And uh, it makes the country increasingly ungovernable and... Uh, in you know a state like Virginia, I don't know how Youngkin's going to manage. Maybe he'll pull it off. He ran a good campaign. Maybe he'll pull it off as governor. But I, I see it much harder for him to walk that tightrope. Folks, check out Civics with a Q. Check out Daily Coast. Become a member of that citizenry if you're not already. And The Brief as well on YouTube and Weekly and wherever you get your podcast. Marcos Melissa's as always. Thanks as always, buddy. Such a pleasure. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. Talk to you next week. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.